0: Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel. I'm here with Elias Randall, aka the Plaid Planner. I was actually a little concerned this morning because you came in with a non-plaid shirt, Elias.
1: Yeah, well, I uh, it's golf season, so I had a golf polo on. But for uh, for the YouTube channel, I'm sticking to my my persona. I was actually just joking with someone. I'm like I'm like Al Borland from that show, uh, Home Improvement. So I gotta I gotta keep to the act.
0: I'm. I'm curious. You think they have like a plaid polo you could wear? Do they make that?
1: I haven't looked yet, but I was actually this morning when I was driving to work. I was thinking I should order if they make plaid golf polos. I should order three or four and yeah, have them in my arsenal of plaid shirts. I think
0: I bet you Nike Golf would have something like that. But um, we were talking last week and we were kind of running through some articles on things that are happening. and You kind of came across a really interesting article and and it was called the Psychographic Investment Groups and. I think about our show and I think about what we do for people. And part of our job is to help people understand what their relationship is with money. And this article that you found, I think, highlights some of that. And the reason I think it's important that people realize what their personal relationship is with money is it can make them better retirement savers, better investors, just a better steward of money in general. Um, Because if you don't understand your relationship, you can make some really bad moves for yourself. Um, And I've had these conversations with people in the past. I'll never forget. I had a client who came in here and they were of retirement age, like 70. And they sort of asked me questions. Hey, we want to retire. And, you know, we've done a financial plan and all this stuff for them. And they didn't have a lot of money, but they had ran up some credit card bills and a home equity line of credit and all this stuff. And they said, hey, Roger, do you believe we should take out half of our 401k and pay this off? And the natural reaction is to get a retiree out of debt, right? Yeah. That's just the natural reaction. Mm Yep. And I sat back for a minute. I thought about it. And he said, well, let me ask you a question are you now nervous because of the amount of debt you have? Meaning, are you scared to borrow money? Well, yeah, we're really nervous about it. I said, okay. I said, if we took all of your balances back to zero, would you still be nervous to borrow money? And they said, well, probably not. And I said, I don't think you should take half your 401k and pay the tax and all those things on it to pay off this debt you've run up because The pattern probably is you will be back in the exact same spot in about five years from now because you're not scared to borrow money. They didn't know their relationship with money. The second problem is they had no idea how much they spend, right? We're not like huge believers and you have to have this rigid budget, but you have to know how much you can allocate to your lifestyle. They had no idea. So I just said, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't take after retirement and pay off this debt you've ran up, you just need to be diligent and pay this off before you retire.
1: Yeah, and they're, okay, so in that example, that was not like a, a finance or like, there's really not a whole lot of numbers behind that decision because that was an emotional decision for them and you're their advisor trying to help them in their best interests. And you just thought it's better for you to not want to take on more debt because in the past you've shown when you don't have any, you'll rack it up it goes back
0: to 100% what we talk about. Most of the success for investors is behavioral and mental and little to do with the investments because we talk with our clients, the investment part's easy, right? We'll go out and find the best investments that fits where you need to go and what's important to you. But keeping you on track from a mental standpoint and being that behavioral coach is really what we help people with. And that was highlighted in that Vanguard study we have, and I forget the name, but they kind of quantify the value of a financial advisor. Then it breaks down asset allocation is a certain percentage of excess return and rebalancing and all of these different factors you could have, executing a financial plan, low cost investments, and then it comes down to behavioral coaching. And Vanguard quantified that at 1.5% a year is what that behavioral coaching is worth for an individual. And granted, that doesn't come all at one time. Like someone could try to quantify, well, how am I getting one and a half percent per year extra, you know, excess return because of having an advisor. It typically comes at one time. And the greatest example is this past March, April, May, if you had a financial advisor that helped you sustain the drawdown in the financial markets and you didn't sell at the bottom, that's where you probably saw that behavioral coaching come to light. And it's happened a couple of years. In 2018, we had the fourth quarter where we had to really coach people. The markets were down about 19%. And that's when the behavioral coaching really kicks in and why we are invested a certain way we are. And one of the ways we provide conviction for people, I think, is because we're running a financial plan and we're actually showing somebody, hey, statistical probability tells us if you have a portfolio with this percentage of equities and this percentage of fixed income, this is your highest probability of success, we can tell that person with conviction, hey, we, we should stay the course because of this versus I think, because I think doesn't instill much confidence in people.
1: No, no, it doesn't. And also you talk, about, uh, you talk a lot about eliminating luck and hope from people's plans. So when you have those, you know, when you have the data to back up your decisions, you should feel confident and you shouldn't feel like, you know, you sh- I, everyone's going to get worried at some point, right? Like in the short term, you're going to have concerns and you're going to have worries. And actually this morning I watched a clip on uh, CNBC and Josh Brown is someone that we follow, Uh, And he's basically a financial celebrity and a financial advisor. And the questions now are all the same. Well, what do I do now? And it's a lot of it's getting back. What people are really asking is how do I time this market? Because we're back at all time highs. Yeah, we don't. And yeah, right. (laughs) I don't know what Josh's
0: response was, but I'm guessing that was his response.
1: Right. And that's one of the things, you know, we're convicted in our beliefs. One of the things I like about him as a TV personality is he's very convicted in the things he believes in. And, he goes, I'll just say this. Successful investors don't act like that. When they asked him about like hoarding cash and trying to time the market. And his answer was just straight to the point. Successful investors don't act like that. I'm stealing that. That's I know, actually that's a really why, good That's one. why I wanted to say it because I thought we one. could use that. I mean,
0: and that happens, right? We hear other advisors and we start to latch on things that they like and people latch on to things that we talk about. Um, so this article you sent was actually um, – it was out of Barron's Magazine, written by Nick Fortuna, who's a freelance writer. But the article was written by the Artemis Strategy Group. And really, it was a article that breaks down these five demographics of investors and in, in what they're good at and what their concerns are. Um, and these groups provide us the insight as to maybe how we should approach individual people differently. And people that are listening to the show could think about, hey, this is where I am. This is where I fit. So, what financial stra- financial planning strategies actually are beneficial to me? Because certain ways we approach this planning process could be different based upon where you're at. Is that right, Elias?
1: Yeah, it is. And this this study that was done, it just kind of, you know, it, it highlights consumer behavior, what in, what uh, what motivates investors, and then it gives good insight into if you can identify. Th- you know, that in a person, then how you can help, help them with their, uh, with their planning needs. And, uh, you know, the first one to me, these are, this is the easy people to help, um, purposeful planners. So it's the smallest group of investment, um, consumers out there. And then on the metrics of median income and assets, they're considered the most successful. They like to have a plan. They devote time to their planning and they enjoy finance. So this would be your people who have the time, desire, and knowledge, and they're either doing it or they've delegated those things, and then they understand the importance of that.
0: Right. And I read an article that most people believe that the cost of having a financial planner or a financial plan done is a lot higher than it actually is. We read that in articles all the time. There's this misconception that, oh, I don't have enough money. To do a financial plan or it's going to be too expensive. Um, And we're not going to say how much it is, but if someone wants to know, they can go to btwellshow.com and we'll kind of guide you through that process. Um, But there's only 25 percent, 25 to 30 percent have actually done a financial plan in America. So you think think about that. That's why there's a retirement crisis. We're trying to do all these things legislatively right now to prevent a retirement crisis. I read an article this morning. There's been a bill introduced to push back the the RMD age from age 72 to 75. And I thought about that and it's good for our clients who are in the distribution phase that don't need the money, right? Yeah. But what we're really doing is delaying a subsidy for the long duration. Meaning we let those people defer the dollars into a 401 k plan to provide them a better retirement. But if they're not spending the money, why do we have that incentive system? Think about it, like it's a hundred, I think I read it's $150 billion a year we're subsidizing for people to not take the money, why? If you don't need the money, you already have the retirement.
1: That's like the tax deferral? Yes. Annually? I read it this morning in Think Advisor.
0: But but think, it was written by um, uh, the guy who runs the American College for Financial Planning. And he was talking about why it's a bad idea to push it back. Well, I want someone to think this through. If you don't need your RMD, you have financial security without it. All we're doing is letting you delay taking the tax of this money when that benefit program was designed to enhance your retirement, you're not using it. You're not enhancing your retirement if you don't, don't want to take it until 75.
1: Right. Because you're not enhancing because you're not taking the income.
0: Well, yeah. You don't need any of the money. Right. So I, I just thought about that. And those people did a good job planning. Those were purposeful, purposeful planners mm-hmm. um, who got to that point And they're going to enjoy their free time. They're the 25 to 30% that I actually do a financial plan.
1: Yeah. And so when I was reading through this, I wasn't surprised at all. Okay. So the group that spends the most time planning and enjoys it, they have the best results. I mean, that's kind of a no brainer. Of course, it's going to work out like that. Uh, And then, so going to the next group, uh, and this was the second smallest group uh, called Optimistic Dreamers. And so they were the second smallest group, about 13% of people And this psychographic group actually trended towards women, like 50% of the investors in this were women, and then younger, 49% were under the age of 25, median income of $62,000 a year. Um, And they want to plan, like they want to have a rewarding retirement. So they they know it's uh, responsible, they know it's something they should do. They probably just don't enjoy finance as much, they probably don't like watching CNBC, and they dedicate less time to planning than a purposeful planner would. So to me, this is like, these are perfect people to hire a professional because you know it's something you want to do. So you might as well just do it.
0: Yeah. Optimistic dreamers, in my opinion, are very enjoyable to work with because they're typically open-minded and they want help. They don't want to overcomplicate it. They want a financial plan. And they're the ones who truly can benefit from this process. And and a couple of reasons why. Number one, because it's younger. Right. The younger Mm -hmm. you start this planning process, the better off you are in 30 years. It's kind of like weight loss. If you think about weight loss, if you say, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds by the end of 2021. Well, you're better off starting today versus waiting until December, (laughs) which is what most people will do. And that's what most people do with a financial plan or planning for their retirement. They say, well, I'm in the accumulation years. And truth be told, it's hard to mess it up during the accumulation period, as long as you're not you know, making immature money moves and you're socking away money. But by doing the financial plan, you can really start to fine tune what needs to be done to get to where you want to go because maybe your goal is to retire at 55. Well, that means you're actually going to need some advanced planning strategy because if all you're doing is putting your 401k, it'll be a little cumbersome to get it out without a penalty. But if you start planning for that 35 and 40, I'm pretty sure you can have a strategy to get you to 59 and a half where you can start taking these funds. So this is a great demographic to work with, and they benefit the most from the traditional financial plan.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that brings up a good uh, a slogan, especially for our, our local market here. Uh, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. So, you know, the best time to get started planting would be the younger you are, the better the results are gonna be.
0: Well, in our local market, the best time to plant tree trees right now because we lost a lot in right. August of 2020 with the derecho.
1: Right, and I saw, so that's, I've seen so many, like this weekend, I saw several Snapchats, friends of mine and people I know planting trees because they got to replace the trees that we lost this summer.
0: Yeah, that that's a really good kind of comparison. The next group's the cautious preparers, it's about 17% of the people. Um, they prepare for the worst with tried and true strategies. They have knowledge, but they lean on the experts. And this is a group that can be helped by this financial plan too, right? They're they're a little pessimistic and they're not always confident and sure. And they also is, are a group that highly benefit from the financial plan. Because for a lot of these people, they kind of know they're there. They're just saying, hey, could somebody else tell me and pat me on the back and make sure I'm good? And we got an email this morning about this exact thing. Hey, I have a severance package. Can you guys just pull the financial plan up and verify that I'm good before I say yes? Um, So we did. We pulled it up, said, yep, send in the paperwork. Email's back, retiring June 30th. But he's beyond good. But he just wanted the verification from the expert That what he was doing was putting him on the right track to be successful because he's a you know, he's retiring early.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he is. And just, you know, we're just there for that little bit of validation to to really say, Yeah, that's the right decision, go for it. And And I would imagine he's pretty excited today. I would think. Yeah. I mean his last working day is gonna be June thirtieth, so it's always easier to go to work
0: when you know you don't have to go to work
1: anymore. Yeah, coworkers will probably be asking, what's going on with you? You're in a great mood. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so lead us into the next one, Eli. Okay, so then the final group, they talked about uh, ambitious risk takers. So this is going to skew younger people, um, really highly optimistic people. They actually tend to use and trust financial advisors, and they rely on their own research as well. Um, so, you know, these are younger people. I'm guessing these are entrepreneurs. Um, probably the reason they use and trust financial advisors is they need to delegate a lot of their time or just younger people in general. And, you know, we, we've seen it with, I guess, a lot of the research that we get. Um, younger people are more interested, it seems like, not not just in finance, but like Have being optimistic about finance and also focusing more on behavior instead of rate of return all the time. Um, So just have a more optimistic attitude. Um, Yeah, they trust financial advisors and use their own research. uh, But obviously, they like to have a professional to help them.
0: What we become for these people is we become kind of the sounding board. And as financial advisors, and we talk about this a lot, part of our job is to put ourselves onto the same side of the table with, you know, the consumer, and figure out where they fall into these groups so we can help them, the most they, the most we can. Mm-hmm. I, it reminds me of the, the the gentleman we had come in here talking about Bitcoin. Well, it's not my job to tell him whether I believe Bitcoin is good or bad because he believes it's good. My job is to figure out how his financial plan works with this block of Bitcoin over here. Mm -hmm. that he's self-managing, i got to figure out the rest for him. So I have to change, almost not change personas, but change my view based on where people fall into these demographic groups. And these ambitious risk-takers, we have to treat them a little bit differently because they are willing to accept more risk. So sometimes when we do this financial plan, we'll have multiple portfolios that come out that'll make somebody successful, right? So I might say, hey, if you're a 100% equity Portfolio, you have the same probability of success as someone with 60% stock. But this is where psychologically we need to read people. And if they fall into this category, well, we can lean to the more aggressive portfolio because that's the same probability of success. Where if we had the cautious person come in here, we probably have to lean the other way, even though the outcome could be the same. We have to lean the other way because it's going to help them get the number one commodity we provide for people. And that's sleep. We joke with people about that, but we provide sleep. We let you sleep better at night. Um, So the ambitious risk takers are actually kind of fun to work with because they'll bring new ideas and a new twist on things. Um, But we do have to coach them a lot of times on why we need to stick to some of the tried and true strategies. Because sometimes they want to get way out in left field. And kind of do their own thing. And we kind of reel them back into reality of, hey, this is why we believe this. A lot of times I see these folks as the people who think they can time the market. My clients who are in the other categories, they're never trying to time the market. But these people are trying to be opportunistic. Meaning, hey, the market's high. They feel it's high. We should sell. They don't know if it's high or not. And that's where we have to provide them the knowledge that we have. Hey, here's the reality of the situation. You yeah. know, there's other ways to do this. Maybe you have to keep a bigger percentage of cash to be opportunistic, but we're not timing markets. What was Josh Brown's line again? Successful
1: investors don't, don't act, act like, I like that. It.
0: I'm using that <laughs> from my, from now on.
1: Yeah, and I think, so because this group skews younger, and to add to your point you were just making, you know, there's a lot of, with younger people, there is a lot of talk of, should I invest in the stock market or should I speculate on crypto or I want to trade NFTs? And I think one thing to remember and to think about is it's not, it's not one or the other. And you know, whether you believe cryptocurrency is going to be part of our life or not in the future, that's a different conversation. But to say, well, I'm done with investing in stocks because I just, I'm gonna speculate all my money on crypto, you know, that, could be, that could be a decision that bites you. And to go back to what we just said, successful investors don't act like that. If you decide that's something you wanna do, well now you gotta create some rules for yourself. What percentage of your portfolio is it going to be? And then you know, are you, w- which ones are you going to buy and what are your reasons for buying them?
0: And this is how I approach this, because there's no history at all of the performance, of an alternative asset class like cryptocurrency. So we, we did this with an individual, I don't know, this is like a year ago, um, that wanted to buy rental real estate properties. How we approach this is we run the financial plan and make sure you're doing everything you need to do to be on track on the traditional planning side. So if you're already on track for retirement to meet the needs you want, you're 30 years old and you're maxing out 401ks, you're maxing out Roth IRAs, and you have discretionary money, you can treat this alternative asset class or alternative asset classes, whatever it is, could be rental properties, it could Mm -hmm. be, you know, you're buying land, you're speculating on water, whatever it is. Take the money that your retirement's not dependent upon and use that money. And that's probably a lot smaller percentage because if it does not work out, you still have something to fall back on. Right. Assuming the stock market has any characteristics of the last, let's call it 90 years.
1: Right. Well, and that that would be, that'd be one of the main differences is people successful at investing aren't sacrificing the retirement portion of their portfolio to speculate on things. So that's, you know, and I'm not going to tell anybody what to do with your money, do what you want. I just want to offer, you know, I think just offer the perspective that there's a way you can do it and be successful at it, and not you know really stub your own toe on the way.
0: Yeah. So the last the last demographic of people um, that are talked about in this article are what are called uncertain strugglers, and these are the people who are struggling with you know the retirement. They're very pessimistic about the future. Um, they don't typically trust financial advisors, which I think is interesting. Do they not trust financial advisors because they don't believe they can get there or have they had a bad experience with an advisor? I'd be really interested to know that the the article doesn't really say that. Um, They tend to rely on advice from friends and family, which is interesting because they won't trust the person that has credentials, but they'll trust their brother or their cousin, Eddie or whoever with their financial decisions. And maybe it's because this, demographic of people actually tends to have less formal education as well. So they're just untrusting of people in that role, but it's about 30%. And I was reading another article, um, and it probably goes with this, and this is a statistic from Northwest Mutual, that 70% of Americans say their financial planning needs work, number one. So think about it, 70% of the people know it needs work, but they haven't done it. And the other one I read is um, 70% of Americans plan on working
1: past retirement. So that's not retirement if you're still working. Well, Is maybe. it a hobby job or well, like a part-time job to have fun? Or? Yes and no. Okay.
0: We talk about this. So we, taught, we teach the class Rejuvenate Your Retirement at the local community college. And part of the preparation for retirement is what am I going to do Right. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do in retirement? Because if there's no plan for what you're going to do, you're going to go into retirement and be thoroughly bored. So part of this class we teach, the whole first section is trying to get people to come to some level of understanding as to what their life might be like. Because the day you retire, your life is completely different. It's like a weekend every day. There's yeah. no place to go. Right. There's no, no I won't say there's answer to. I won't say there's no meaning, but there's no purpose on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like, I have to be here to do this. Mm-hmm. It's wide open. So we try to get people to prepare. And for some people, it could be a part-time job. Um, for instance, I told my wife I ever retired, which, I mean, I really love what I do. So it's unlikely I will. We
1: know better. You're not ever going to retire.
0: Um. Uh, I might, you know, if I want a part-time job, I would just go work at Shields. I could sit in the fishing department at Shields, <laughs> and, and I could. If I go to Shields, it's like a two- or three-hour ordeal because I end up talking to somebody about something. I, I remember we were there like three years ago, and I was up in the department, and there was a gentleman talking to one of the sales guys about these hummingbird fish finders, and the sales guy didn't really know. So I, But you knew. I knew. <laughs> and I, ca- I casually walked over and started this conversation. Well, pretty soon it's about an hour and a half, and I'm getting a text from my wife. She's like, where are you? I go, well, <laughs> talking about this. talking about this gentleman up in the fishing department about fish finders. Well, if you can find the thing that you really like to do in retirement where it doesn't feel like work, I mean, I end up being up there like two and a half hours. Well, that's the greatest job if you just talk about the stuff you like all day. And, and it's right. not about the pay at that point, right? It's literally about having a purpose. I have a, a friend of mine who retired early, retired for one year, figured out that you can't golf in Iowa in the winter. So he took a part time job doing what he wanted to do. Cause his idea is I'm gonna retire and play golf
1: every day. Well yeah, that worked not for the summer. It's yeah. Right. And then
0: he's like, Man, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. And there's only so many T V shows you can watch before you're like, Man, I gotta get off the sofa. Unless you have a lot of hobbies that can keep you busy.
1: Yeah. Um, so if you just a quick question, if you were if you were retired working at Shields part time and spent that much time in the fishing department, would you make more money there than you would be spending there? No. You'd be negative. For sure, because <laughs> they'd, bait,
0: they'd, they'd bait you in with the employee
1: discount. You'd have to buy it. It's, buy I got something, the employee
0: discount. Unfortunately, I'd end up <laughs> buying something every day, probably. And it's mostly what I don't need. But, hey, that's like the flashy new item. So, no, it would be a negative. I wouldn't make any money. It would just purely be a hobby, probably. Right. right? Isn't the definition, if you have a business and don't make money for three years— it's, like, deemed a hobby.
1: Now it's a hobby. So I can Actually, just, for tax purposes, yes.
0: So I'd be the guy who's just hanging out at Shields for his hobby, talking with people but not getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Elias, one of the things we talked about earlier is a lot of people have this fallacy of what a financial advisor does or the cost. So I thought it would be good for us to talk about what, who we are not for. And what I mean, who are the people we can't help? And the first set of people you can't help is those who want to get rich quick. I'll never forget. I had someone I acquaint with call me up, going to do a small investment with me, said, hey, you're going to make me rich. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to make you rich. You're going to make yourself rich because you're going to have this personal responsibility to save money on a diligent basis over the next 20 years of your life. I'm going to enhance it. But it's not going to be me who does it. So if someone wants a get-rich-quick scheme, we can't help people do that. If people want to time the market, I can't help people do that. Josh Brown's line is? Yeah, successful investors don't act like that. Right, I like it. Um, We're not for people who are pessimistic. We're We're opportunistic people. We're positive people. If someone's pessimistic and they never trust what we're going to do, that relationship's never going to work
1: yeah no yeah
0: because truth be told and this is part of our five-step process and why at the first meeting with somebody we really don't talk about your finances i'm trying to figure out what type of investor you are what's important to you what your goals are and i want that person to figure out who i am because ultimately there's going to be good times when people are investing there's going to be bad times if, you're, if the client doesn't trust the advisor or is pessimistic, as soon as there's a downturn in the market, it's just not gonna work out. Uh, because that person should trust the person I'm working with, and I should trust the client that they're not gonna do that at the same time. So if somebody's overly pessimistic, I can't help you get over that pessimism. I can give you all the tools and all the coaching, but if you can't get over it, it's gonna be very difficult for you to be a successful investor. Um, and ultimately, People that don't value delegation. People work with us for the three reasons we talk about, not on every show, but a lot, but time, desire, and knowledge. If you don't have an hour a week to commit to this or two hours a week to commit to this, you might think you have the time, but you're winging it. Just like most Americans. Most Americans are winging it. They don't know what they do. They read one article. They listen to one TV show a month. Like, oh, that's what I need to do. And they're not dialed in. That's like here's a good analogy. Baseball season's upon us. I'm happy it's back. But think about if a hitter just said, oh, I'm going to take batting practice once a week."
1: Yeah, that or doesn't once a work. month.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, he might get lucky, and they might he might get nine out of ten hit his first ten at bats might get nine hits. But if he keeps that 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 um, that regimen, he's going to be like a 120 hitter. I mean yeah, let's be honest. If you're not, not practicing. Practice. You yeah. got it. So that's really kind of who we are, who we're not. If somebody's looking to get help with this, they can find us at the at beathewellshow.com. That's the website. Um and then ultimately, who do we want to work with Elias? This is the other thing we should talk about. Who who are we looking for? Number 1, it's people who want a financial plan. We work with people who want to execute a financial plan. Right? Yep. Every single new person that comes here gets a plan. Doesn't matter how big or small your account is. Um, we don't have account minimums. We have people minimums, right? Yeah. We exactly. want to work with people who are open-minded. They're nice to my staff and relatively nice to me.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Relatively (laughs) If you're not mean to the staff, you can be a little bit mean to Roger, and you can still be a customer. I I
0: will help. (laughs) I will take that burden from the staff. And ultimately, our our process needs to align with the clients. There are people who their goal is to beat the market, and they don't want to go through a planning process and do all the extra work it takes to fine-tune this. That's probably not ideal for us, right? And we'll tell somebody if it's not. So if anybody's looking for help, you can find us at btwelshow.com. Um, Elias, any closing thoughts from you? I thought this was a fun show, but do you have any closing thoughts?
1: Um, You know, I guess just remember, no matter what group you fit into, there's, uh, you know, like Josh Brown said, successful investors don't act that way. So regardless of the group you're in, just try to focus on the right behaviors. And if you want help, you know, just reach out to us and uh, we'll see if we can help you.
0: Great show, Elias. i Appreciate that you brought new vernacular and verbiage to me to use on the next uh, upcoming shows. And with my clients, with that said, we'll get you next time. (laughs)